Welcome to the What's Lacking podcast. It's your host, Larry Atencio. With me today is Mike Cluxton. Uh, do you want to tell the audience how we know each each other, Mike? Well, how you doing there, Larry? Um, Larry and I know us because I am his brother-in-law. I am married to his sister. Uh, his sister and I have been together for 17 years. Uh, we have three kids together, a uh, 16-year-old son, a 13-year-old daughter, and a 10-year-old daughter. Um, so life is full right now for us. Yeah, t- time flies. It, it feels sometimes like it was yesterday where when we first met. Um, and yeah, you, you, you've, you've created and, and maintained a, a, a beautiful family. You've been a, a, a great husband and, and partner to my sister. So I'm very glad to, to have you and to call you my brother-in-law. Um, do you want, do you want to tell the, do you want to tell us what you do for a living? So what I do for a living, so currently I'm an operations manager at Amazon. Um, I've been in management, retail management, basically my whole life. I spent seven years at Amazon. Um, I was a general manager of Zoop for about two years, uh, intermediate until I got the job at Amazon. Um, currently, I help run a Amazon facility. Um, technically, what I do is I'm at what we call the last mile. Um, so we get the packages that are already packaged up and ready to go to the customers and we sort them so that they are ready for the vans to be able to take out based on grids and, and where the homes are located um, so that it's as efficient as possible. Um, and then we try to make sure that we get 100% of the packages delivered that come through the station. Um, that can be challenging at times, but it, uh, if you think about it, we're pushing on average, let's say 40,000 packages or more. Um, so we try to make sure that we get 40,000, 100% accurate from the time it comes in the back door. till it gets on the van to the customer's, uh, address. It's easier said than done, but I think we do as a company, we do a really good job and we're continuously trying to improve. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the experience I've had with, uh, being a prime member with Amazon has been mostly positive i mean i think that's the the basis of their um monopoly and just chokehold on um retail um so i think logistically it must be an incredible sort of piece of 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 work for amazon to to be able to do what they do in in the u.s um, so I know you try to reach a hundred percent of, of packages delivered. What is the actual number? If, if, if you care to, to share, I'm, I'm sure it's in the high nineties cause I've never had an issue with so, deliveries or, or, or packages. Um, our goal is we usually average around 99.90 to 99.80. Um, that's um, the the minimum goal and expectation is ninety nine point nine zero. Okay. Um, which is basically, if you think about it, it would be like about one package per one thousand, right. give or take. Um, with the goal to shoot, you know, one per ten thousand, if possible. Right. I mean, yeah, I'm, I've. I I don't remember. 
the last time I didn't receive a package from Amazon. Um, yeah, so yeah, in, 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 in incredible logistical feat. I do have a joke, a sort of dystopian joke about Amazon. I just, you know, I, I have this recurring daydream of like the American flag instead of having 50 stars, just having five Amazon logo, 50 Amazon logos. And then like, you know, the United States being called the United States of Amazon, because it does seem like there's this sort of um, complete colonization of the economy and uh, of the country by Amazon and its services. And I'm, I'm sure Jeff Bezos is not like resting on his laurels and saying, oh, this is where we stop. Um, I think the, the the corporation and the and the company will try to continue expanding and and finding new markets and colonizing those. So, but yeah, that's I guess that's good I think for that's you. A little outside my realm. Um, <laughs> I think the company is a great company. I mean, yes, we can. We're like we always strive for continuous improvement. I wouldn't quite say we have a monopoly by any means. Um, Walmart would be a big competitor there and they have a ton of brick and mortar stores that are already established. Same with Target. Um, those would just be name a few. So there, there's a lot of competition out there. Um, plus Amazon does have other businesses like our web services, um, which is something that I do believe the company really strives to work, uh, to improve that uh, area as well. AWS, right? Correct. Yeah, and they also provide the the web services for um, State Department, CIA. Um, I'm not I, sure, so I honestly wouldn't be able to comment <laughs> I on think, that. I, I, I think so, but that's either here nor there. We're we're not here to <laughs> to to, yeah, to put me in some jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like whatever. Um, so um, that that sounds like a, a a hard job. It's interesting work. But, it's, yeah, but it's not it, easy. I was about to say that, but very interesting, and 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 it, it's probably something that um, you enjoy. Is is that fair to say? I do enjoy it. Okay. Uh, I absolutely do enjoy it. I will say that. Um, I think one thing I like most about working at, at Amazon is um, trying to help other people build their careers and get them promoted. Yes. Okay. Um. So so Mike, can you tell us your what was your childhood like? Um. I grew up uh, outside of Northeast Philadelphia. Uh, I grew up in a twin house uh, when I first started growing up, probably the first 12 years of my life. Um, the first years of my life. So honestly, there's a bully that lived down the street from me. Uh, <laughs> this guy named uh, Brian Fountain. And uh, he used to pick on me a lot, beat me up a lot. Um I was friends with him, but at the same time, he was absolutely someone that pushed me around. And when we got older, I was friends with him. Uh, it wasn't uh, quite like a bully situation when we got older. Um, he was like two years older than me. Um, but growing up, I mean, I had a good childhood. Uh, I had two loving parents. My parents did a good job raising us. They were fair with everything. Um, I grew up walking to school. We had to walk like seven, eight blocks to school, maybe most seven, seven to ten not nothing major. Uh, I know kids these days, like they have to walk two blocks to a bus stop and they're complaining. And I think it's ridiculous, but <laughs> you know, what's, 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 yeah. What's one the thing joke, I would say, uh, how, 
Well, instant gratification is what a lot of, I would say, the millennials want. And what I mean by that is, is just anybody that's under 35 thinks if they do something for like a year or two, that they all of a sudden deserve credit like they've been doing it for 10 years. <laughs> and as I try to tell my kids, you know, it's day by day and week by week, it kind of goes by pretty fast and year by year just goes by slow. And then all of a sudden five years goes by. So, yeah. you know, don't take it for granted to a certain degree. Um, because time flies quicker than you think. That's true. Even though there's days where people are like, oh, this is miserable. Like people go through bad times. Um, you know, you pick up and keep going. But anyways, back to my childhood. Um, (laughs) (laughs) we moved when I was in fifth grade, I guess it was from seventh street to 10th street in North Wales. Uh, that was really nice. Uh, when we got a, a little bit bigger of a house. Um, still had to share a bathroom with my sisters. So I shared a bathroom with my two sisters my whole life. I hated it, but at the same time, I mean, it, it bonded us as a family. Um, I, I will say I, that. I shared a room with, with your wife basically until we were, yeah, I mean, I don't remember us ever having our own rooms. We even, there was a, there was a time too, where we even shared it with, two of our cousins plus Jordy. So it was five of us in a room. That's a lot in a room. Yeah, but Did you, you all fall asleep at the same time. I mean, you get, yeah, you, you, you adapt. You Everyone had, uh, yeah, I know asleep, you have but, to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, it, it, I'm not complaining. It wasn't, it wasn't bad, but. Oh yeah. no, I know. Um, it was definitely interesting. Just, I mean, there was always people in the house. There was always kids in the room. There was always, uh, even um, growing up, it wasn't just my sister and I and my cousins. It was always also, like, cousins and and people sleeping over on the weekend. So um, I kind of do miss those days where um, there was a lot of family get-togethers and and just um spending time with 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 family members and cousins and and people just being in the house all the time constantly um bonding in that way i I feel like as we as we've gotten older obviously um there's been a separation and and just alienation especially with the pandemic oh that exacerbated right but i think that was i mean it's it's kind of the 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 law of growing up and and finding yourself and 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 creating your own path and your own and having your own family, but nonetheless, I I, I do remember it being perhaps a little bit more tight knit and and communal. Um, All right, so I'm gonna rein it back in. So I'll give you a little bit more juice for uh, childhood. When I was in fifth grade, like I think it was like almost the summer, the end of fifth grade, going into sixth grade. Uh, I did punch one kid that was bullying me at the end of fifth grade. Um, I punched him really hard. I, you know, at the end of the day of school on school property, ran home. We were leaving to go to the beach. So my mom and my sisters and I, like we all got in the car and left. Like they were basically waiting for me to get home. Uh, By the time we got down to the shore, my dad called my mom and basically the kid brought his dad to my house to tell him what I did to try to confront me. And well, I wasn't there. Um, uh, the kid at that point, just so you know, the kid was apologetic to me and everything. Um, I'm friends with him as we got older. 
Um, but I'll tell you what, he was certainly surprised because I was very much smaller than him. And he kind of just thought because I was a small little kid, he could push me around. And I was just intelligent about the timing of it because uh, it was the last day of school. And I was like, I'm not going to be at this school. They can't hold me even if they try to catch me because they're going to know who did it. He's going to tell people. He's going to report it. Um, and then uh, in the summer also, I got in a, I had a, another fight from fifth grade, like going into sixth grade, like a kid called me out or I called him out. I don't even remember how that worked. Uh, and I ended up losing that fight. Um, I didn't actually get beat up. He actually held my nose in my mouth and almost kind of like suffocated me a bit. So I gave up. Uh, and of course there were probably like 25, 30 kids there. Uh, it definitely was a social, uh, hit to me going into sixth grade. We were transferring to another school, like going from fifth grade to sixth grade. Uh, a lot of the kids were in sixth grade with me. So, uh, you know, that definitely affected me through sixth grade. And then seventh grade, I started, uh, I wasn't popular by any means, but I started making friends again with some of the popular kids. And I think it was eighth grade. I did get in another fight in school. Uh, it was stupid. It was, it was a kid that wasn't even like a real tough kid, but he was bigger than me. And it really all started about him making fun of my mom and making mom jokes in the bathroom. And me and my temper, I just started getting ticked off. Uh, I told him to stop and really push came to shove. I sent a note through a homeroom, crossed the homeroom, passed it through like six kids to him saying, we're going to fight right after class. So (laughs) everybody knew about it. Uh, So we went into the hallway and he didn't really want to fight. I did. Um, I got a little bit of uh, stigma back. It wasn't even my intention after that fight. and then we, I never got regained some of regain some of the lost status. Yeah, that would be a better way to put it, lost status. Um, and then after that, I mean, don't get me wrong, I was never like a tough kid in school. I wasn't like a bully by any means. I was probably bullied a little bit, but one thing I was is someone who didn't shut their mouth, and I definitely didn't let people bully me. I mean, that was one thing about me. I was more uh, spunk. Uh, I didn't try to start fights by any means, but if someone started with me, I would definitely spitting back i was pushing back um and again i was not a big person it didn't always work out to my benefit (laughs) (laughs) so same here um same here what was uh i mean this is a perfect segue because um the next question was going to be about your experience in the educational system i i feel like i have a sense of um you the social dimension of you in school um can you elaborate a little bit more on perhaps just class performance academics or even just you know in general for high school yeah so grade school was good for me um i mean mostly grade school through high school it wasn't challenging for me so what i mean by that is is i paid attention in school um i didn't really goof off and get in trouble for the most part and I got my homework done in school. So most of the time I didn't have to bring it home. I didn't really have to study too hard for tests. Cause like I said, I mean, I did pay attention when I was in class. Um, so I, I was a, probably a BC student in grade school. Um, going into like sixth, seventh grade was in, so the way it worked for me is I was first through fifth grade in elementary school, sixth and seventh grade were in a school eighth grade and ninth grade were in another school. But when we were in ninth grade, the district was going through a transition. So we were the only ninth graders in that whole school. There was nobody else. And then when we transitioned to the high school, the high school became ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th, but we were 10th graders at that point. Okay. Um, 
But anyways, when we were uh, like going into sixth and seventh, eighth and ninth grade, I was pretty much an A, B student with some C's in there. Um, it was more pretty solid B student with a few A's. And then I really didn't get too many C's except when I struggled. Like eighth grade, I had a horrible time in the English class. Uh, I believe they call it ELA now. Um, I hated English. I thought it was stupid verbs, adjectives, all that type of sort of thing. I get the point of it all, so don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> however, it was definitely a subject that I didn't care. I would have rather been in chemistry or uh, something like that, geometry than, than freaking. But you know, everybody has their preferences. I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's interesting that you would, you know, feel that English and just how important it is to just communicating and understanding how that would even be thought of as stupid. Perhaps like the. The, the mechanics of it and the sort of rules, um, yeah, I, I, I could kind of see that. Because it's like, you, you're like, I'm not going to be... know how to talk. I just don't know how to break down the sort of the rules uh, no. of my thing. I'm not writing books. I'm not going right. to be a poet. Um, I'm not publishing anything. So I was like, I, I don't care. And then computers were starting to come out and spell check was pretty early on <laughs> with that. And I was like, boom, I got spell check. I don't need anything else. <laughs> That's true. I mean, yeah, that is that that is true. Um, so, um, I think you got to was, like, was was the English part high school or was it um, more middle school? Uh, English was just eighth grade. I struggled for some reason, and after that, I was able to get A's and B's. High school, I got A's and B's. I wasn't like my junior year. I was a goof probably more in a sense I got in school suspension like probably like 22 days of it that year but doing stupid stuff like it wasn't things that were fighting or starting it was just talking back to teachers and right. kind of being an ass honestly um obviously getting an ISS didn't fare well for me uh but I made the best of it I would goof off what's, when I was an ISS I was like shit what's basically ISS so like when I, for me, ISS was in school suspension. So like starting in sixth grade, we had eight periods. So you would change class eight times through the day, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. So yeah. we had all different classes, uh, which did make it nice. So like when I was in sixth and seventh grade, like we had to take home economics. So I had to take like sewing and cooking. Like you didn't have a choice, but I'm not going to lie. Like I still remember that I took those classes to this day and like most males don't mind learning some of that, especially if they're in a position yeah. where they're forced to, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because no one was able to make fun of you. Whereas when it's an elective and you have to select it <laughs> as one of your extra classes, then everyone's like, oh, well, you picked it. Um, hey, listen, cooking as an elective, I think everyone should pick. It's essential. That's that's an essential life skill. And, and, and you know, like I, I'm not a great cook, but I'm not even good or competent or even mediocre but i had to learn so that i could one save money and two start eating a little bit healthier so i want to say that i put in the effort to try to learn how to cook um around 2014 2015 and yeah by that time i was already uh, an adult yeah, 30 years old, maybe a little bit earlier than that, but, you know, so I kind of regret not um, learning earlier because I it definitely I definitely feel like it, it, it had a detrimental effect on 
my health number one, but also just how much money I spent. Yeah, you probably spent a lot more eating out just because it was simpler. It was better food than when you made it yourself. So it was like, why not? Yeah. Um, so, you know, pivoting a little bit, what are your, your, your views on, on politics and, 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 and the political system as it, as it currently exists? And as it exists, I think it's a shizzle, honestly. Um, number one, there shouldn't just be two parties that you have to pick from. Uh, I think there should be a, a, a bit more diversity in it. Um, I'm a registered Democrat. I have a lot of Republican views. Um, hands down, one of the biggest things I absolutely despise about Republicans is their view on abortion. Um, I'm a full firm believer in a woman's right to choose, and that's just where it ends. It's a woman's body. Um, I'll debate anybody on that subject. <laughs> um, that being said, um, look, I, I'm not for more government. I don't think we need to pay out uh, a ton of I get Medicare and social security for our elderly, but like, I'm not a real big fan of too much welfare. Uh, I will say, I think there should be limitations on that. Um, half of the people who do and get welfare don't even use it for what it's for, which is the children. Um, and what I mean by that is, is anybody you see with an iPhone and they say they're getting welfare. <laughs> I always say, well, you shouldn't have an iPhone then. <laughs> Because somehow that money from welfare, I guarantee, is going towards that iPhone. <laughs> it's just a fact. So they, iPhones so they, are, you know, a cheap one's five hundred dollars. They should they should be walking around with flip phones. Well, or no what phone. I'm saying though is is it, a beeper. <laughs> you're talking a ton of tons of money. So like someone that is on welfare for let's say six seven kids, why do they get money for seven kids? Like, there just should be a limit. I'm not saying I'm the one that should determine what that limit is, but as a society, we should say, you know, when is enough enough? It's kind of like, how many shirts do you need? How many pairs of underwear do you need till you say, I don't need to buy anymore? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's got to be a point where you don't need any more kids if you can't take care of the ones that you currently have. And um, I think as a society, we sometimes forget that. Yeah. Sorry um, if I went on a tangent there, but the political you, system, you, you, yeah, you were definitely, I, I think uh, it's very decisive. Uh, I don't like how it's so polarized in the sense of the far left and the far right. I think the far left and the far right are both wrong. Um, I am more of an independent, in my opinion. Uh, I'm a firm believer in everybody's personal right to choose, you know, really to each their own, long as it's not directly impacting someone else in a negative way. Uh, and even when it is, if it's not like directly affecting you, then just because your opinion is different doesn't mean that someone else should change what they're doing. Right. So you're big yeah, on. They only should change it if it's harming someone else in some way, shape or form. Right. Okay. Now, then you get into debates on that. Don't get me wrong. Um, but that's when you have to kind of get back to reality because some people take that too far. I should think so of tolerance. Allowing people to make free decisions and free choices with um, free uh, with with well, speech. The problem with, with our action, politics now is it's it's 
controlled by big business and big donors. Um, you figure there's what 300 million people in in America plus. Um, it only takes less than one percent of them, five hundred thousand of them, to really run the country because they have all the money. And, and that's that that's where you are with politics. I mean, I would not say that there's very many people in Washington that uh, aren't there for the power, the money that it comes with it. They're not there just for the people. Yeah. It's we're as a country to pass that point, unfortunately. Now I'm not saying the country's doomed in any way. It's just, uh, I think as Americans, we need to do a better job of electing our officials um, and really come to a consensus. Like you don't always have to like the Republican or the Democrat, but you can't try to choose someone that is so far off the loose end that it's just no good for anyone. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to your your previous point about um, our options being limited to two um, parties and the candidates that they um, choose and select. So, I mean, there's there's Andrew no. Andrew Wang has a uh, another affiliate party. I forget what it's called. He's trying to start. I would actually. Uh kind of get on board with that it's more of an independent party but trying to start a party is extremely difficult in this country i mean yeah most most third parties have uh failed in 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 recent history um i think i think the last candidate from a third party who got more than I don't want to say a number just because, yeah, I, I, who, who got a considerable amount and it was still very small, less than 5% of, if, if, and um, people could Google and research, but was Ralph Nader, right? Um, yeah, could be. And then be pretty long ago. I, I, w- I wouldn't, you're better at politics than me at that point. Um, yeah, I think Ralph Nader was probably the last third party candidate who captured some sort of um, to capture the imagination of the American public and actually had a less than negligible effect on um, the national election. Um, I remember Ross Perot. Ross as Ross a candidate. Was, was, but I think back in the '90s, I believe it was. I'm talking a long time ago. Yeah, um, I'm not sure that Ross Perot was. I think he was independent, wasn't he? I don't really know. I'm Maybe, not going to say yeah. that I. We should have. We should have. We should have come more prepared with our um, election <laughs> election history uh, well. facts. Um, but nonetheless, the point being that it it seems that the Republican and and and, and Democratic Party machine is 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 so entrenched that um, the viability of independent third parties uh even making a dent in any way that is um, a perfect example fresh is is kind of is kind of hard and impossible i think i think what trump and andrew yang have shown is that um one can within the party perhaps move the move them to in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in a yeah in a direction that is uh, different than what had been uh, become established, 
but you know you're still working within the the the, the party i think that um andrew yang he ran as a as a democrat correct I think he did it first. I think he might be independent now. And then, yeah, exactly. Sure. Because yeah, he's he's more of a technocrat, and he's a a, a technocrat. He's a person, I believe, as well. Less, you know, not not so much about social conservatism and 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 family and traditional values. So in that sense, he 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 isn't aligned uh, with the big faction of the Republican Party, but. In the more technocratic, um, capitalist uh, idea, I think he might be a little, you know, aligned with with problem, Republicans. Although well, the problem with go ahead, sorry. Yeah, because I think he, he initially was a Republican, um, and then I think the technocracy part and 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 his support of universal basic income. Um, which can be either uh, Republican or Democratic um, policy. Um, it seemed to gain more traction for Democrats, and so I think that's why he chose to run initially for the Democratic Party. But I think he's he's the type to either be independent or just you know switch between parties or be a, or, or or portray himself as being a, a centrist. I'm going to reel it back in here. Ultimately, like, uh, yes, <laughs> one of the biggest thing problems with the, with like politics and that is, is your, uh, donors. So like a perfect example is the NRA and guns. Everyone in this country knows that guns is a problem and we need some real gun reform yet. The Republican side, uh, and the NRA pra- praise on this, uh, you know, your, your right to bear arms. You know, I don't, I don't disagree that Americans should have a right to own a gun. But it should be extremely hard to get a gun. You, you shouldn't be able to easily get a gun. And you should have to validate multiple times over, you know, at least once a year, if not twice a year, that you're legally allowed to have the gun. And anybody that has a problem with having to, you know, recertify themselves in a sense that they're allowed to have the gun, then you're hiding something. Because most people that carry guns freely would have no problem saying, yeah, I'll recertify myself every six months. I don't care. I think it's bullshit, but I'll do it um, right. just so they can carry it around. Um, I, that gives the person a right to carry it around. But it is too simple for someone to go get a gun right now. It's just, it's insane. I mean, well, I mean I'm not going to divulge too hard into my personal life, but it's just too simple. Yeah, but I mean, I think... Anybody, anybody can go get a gun anywhere like you just it's just too easy especially in cities it, it's kind of pathetic yeah i mean I, I i think some states and 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 municipalities um make it harder um but the illegal market for guns is also robust and federal you change to get something done and it, and if and if you can't get it legally or you know which as you say is is fairly simple even if you can you you could always get it some some way somehow you could go down to Texas if you're really that desperate you could buy a gun legally there without barely getting a background check still <laughs> so it just depends where you go yeah. taxes or even gun shows and yeah i mean well, if, and, if you want in the city there's if, just so many guns period like exactly. they're, they're on the streets if you want one you'll get one um, 
You but, segue into religion because that's where the Republicans are at. <laughs> um, I, 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 I don't know. So uh, religious views, Mike, it sounds like, yeah, th this will be a. So, I mean, I was raised Methodist. Um, we, I went to church. Um, once I guess I hit 16, 15, 16, my mom didn't force us to go to church anymore. Um, we used to go to Sunday school in the mornings when we were younger. So we learned a lot about it. But I would say when it comes to religion, um, I know my wife is, I believe it's Catholic. Yes, it is Catholic. She's not Christian. I know that. Um, and I know like your mom is, is pretty religious, um, which is a good thing. Um, me personally, I'm not extremely religious. I, I don't believe that someone higher being controls what I do or controls my outcomes. Um, I'm in fact proof of living that you can change outcomes. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is, you like when they said like a lot of people don't really get the words like you can do whatever you want um what that means is it's just perseverance um you know i'm proud that i work at amazon as as a high level operations manager and still striving to get even higher um that doesn't come just because it was given to me that's for sure right um i've worked for 15 years to get to where i'm at <laughs> Yeah, you got to put in the hard work. You can't just rely on on on. But well, when it comes to religion, um, we're teaching our kids religion, but only to the point where they're aware of religion. Um, I don't make them go to Sunday school every weekend. We do make them go and get confirmed, um, so that and their confirmation and things like that. The reason that I do we do that is my personal opinion is I want my kids to be educated about religion, but they can make their own choice. Um, Evangelical Christians, I think, are brainwashed to some degree. I, I think it's ridiculous how in the South they have these massive churches that have like ten thousand people, and they're like all together. And it's like number one, a church should be a little bit more um, central, in my opinion, because it should be more intimate. Um, I get if it's you know a hundred, two hundred, three hundred people, that's one thing, but that's really kind of a small group, to be quite honest. Um, when you have, you know, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 people in a church and they're all donating and that pastor is extremely wealthy, um, I think that goes beyond what religion is. And yeah. that's what a lot of the, uh, the evangelical religion Christians and pastors are these days. So my opinion about religion is um, it's a crock of shit. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that's, that's, that's your it, opinion. It's something um, I created to help people believe in something. Yeah. Because people I'm not, can be weak-minded. Yeah, I'm not religious myself. Um, Some people but, might get offended by my words. I'm oh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're, you're free to have your beliefs and your opinions. And I think any, any sort of belief system that you have where you're not constantly um, questioning it and, and trying to have a deep understanding of its history and um, its function in society and how it operates and um, what, what it's done, then, um, then I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't think you're, you're doing it the right way. So I agree with you that um, like anything else, 
one needs to be able to think through, uh, think critically, uh, understand, find purpose, find meaning, um, and and understand that it everything is a a growing and developing and uh, tradition that it shouldn't be stagnated and, and and shouldn't be dogmatic. So life is a constant change and a constant work of really if you're if you're a good person it's a constant work of self improvement um what i mean by that is is you know, any rational person is continuously trying to make themselves better whether it be financially whether it be mentally some people physically um you know it's human nature to want to better yourself um it's how you apply it is the challenge that most people have in my opinion um yeah perseverance and, and work ethic, I don't believe is something you can teach somebody. It's something they're raised with. Yeah. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is if you're raised with parents or parent that works and is always working, they might go to job to job, but they're always have a job. You, you, you raised with better work ethic than if you have a parent or let's say you have two parents and one parent doesn't ever work or you have a single parent that's intermittently working, sometimes they work, then they might go for eight, nine months, a year that they don't work. And work just doesn't seem like it's a priority for that parent. Um, that child is going to grow up with that kind of a work ethic too. Um, and, and that's just a personal belief of mine. Um, but I've seen it um, firsthand. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people that have parents that might not be the best role models that turn out to be wonderful gems. Um, but they find their own perseverance and they find that, that own drive. Uh, they weren't taught it <laughs> again. Um, and, and that's where you find the people who are successful is when you fall down, you get back up, you keep going, you fall down, it hurts. And I'm talking figuratively, you, you get up, you keep going. We all make mistakes. That's the yeah. one thing like kids are always like, Oh, how are you know you're ready to be an adult or how do you know you're ready to have a kid? You're not when it happens most of the time. Like you learn as you go. That's what life is. Um, I agree. I think, I think for religion, um, it's a time tested mechanism that segued you perfectly into that. Yeah. That, um, what, what was I saying? It's a time tested mechanism that, people can use as a shorthand for self-development and grappling with the deeper questions of life. And so I think that, you know, you can't throw out the the baby with the bathwater. And as we get older and develop and, 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 and try to intellectually reach enlightenment we 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 begin to incorporate religion incorporate a, a lot of the 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 teachings and the kernel of truths of religion into our own uh supersession of those more pernicious elements of religion so um i say that to say that uh there's a reductive a uh, way in which we could be very critical of religions as institutions and the corruption that we know um, exists in all of them. But I think that 
as I stated in, 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 in other podcast episodes, that it's important to try to get to the the truth of 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 those ancient you know wisdom traditions and if we think of religion that way. But knowing that you want to segue, um, <laughs> well, no, I was just saying. But uh, I mean, back to religion. There's a little thing with religion. I get it's good for some people. Um, my personal opinion of it is though is I, I don't live by it. Um, maybe I do in some aspects because to be a good person, like religion does teach you to be a good person. Like the one golden rule I always remember and try to live by is, you know, do on to others as you would want others to do on to you. Um, so like there is a place for religion. Um, I just don't think it should be as mixed with, uh, the world. Um, it shouldn't be as mixed with politics as it is these days. Like, that's probably a clear statement. There used to be a very clear delineation between the separation of, of church and state and, and the way politics have gone, especially the Republican side. They've really tried to incorporate religion with the Christian belief, mostly uh, within politics. Uh, if you look at our uh, Supreme Court justice system at the current moment, the exact reason of religion being tied into our society by certain people just based on their beliefs. Um, and let's be honest, those conservative judges do not speak for the majority of the population. That's their mistake. And they're too arrogant to realize that or acknowledge it. One of the two. Yeah. That's, um, that's well said. Yes. I, I do think that, um, the argument that you just presented is a, is, is a powerful one. And, um, yeah, I think it's, 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 it's something that um, could could muddy the waters and and get us in trouble if we don't learn how to um, separate or choose the right things to to build a cohesive, unified, um, collective and and community. So yeah, I mean, I I agree. Um, it really muddied the water. It was muddy, and now it's really muddy. <laughs> Well, anyway, was, wasn't he trying to clean the swamp? Is, isn't that? Yeah, drain the swamp, uh, as he would say. Yeah, he was as much though. part of the swamp problem as the rest of them are. Um, yeah, people have short memories, and um, yes, that is one problem. Some, sometimes uh, symbols become more important than than reality, and I think people knew the reality of who he was. I mean, he's been in the I think the reason public the first one since is the 80s, but he became something beyond just himself and an emblem, an avatar for a particular type of um defense of American traditional values and as a sort of backlash against uh woke Left it. Trump was a piece of crap. He still is a <laughs> Always piece of crap. Is. And I'm just being polite. He's a pathological liar. And it blows my mind that any rational American would think that guy has anything good to say, period. If you listen to Trump or anybody who thinks that Trump has any value in the words that come out of his mouth, you're as much of a bonehead as he is. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, I, 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 I think Don't worry, the law will catch up. Is, is, is more um, entertainment and more of playing a game to see whose team is going to be on top. And so we don't think in, in terms of what is going to rationally benefit us and we don't think in terms of like rational ways of um, working with others to achieve certain um, material goals. It's more of a sports fanatic type of uh, scheme. And so Democrats are a team, Republicans are a team, and based on how, you know, the vast majority of other people around the communities that I live, um, how they how they move and what they do, that's what we'll tend to do. And so it's not rational. It's just a matter of choosing the, the team that is popular in my particular region or my particular um, place. Um, are you doing anything towards self-improvement um mentally spiritually constantly financially uh, honestly like so something that i've always had a problem with would be patience uh i would say in the last year or two i've gotten really really good at, at being very much more patient um my job does have a lot to do with that um one thing is, is like, especially my job, you can never show frustration or when you do, when you are frustrated, you can't exude it. Um, and I, you always relate it back to, you know, if you come home from work and you're mad and you're arguing with your wife for no reason or whatever, you're what you, you put your wife in a bad mood. You put your kids in a bad mood. It's just because you came in home in a bad mood. And it's the same thing at work. If you're mad in a bad mood at work for whatever the reason, whether controllable or not, um, the people around you feed off of that. Um, so that being said, I'm constantly always making sure I'm extremely positive about things. I try to always look at every problem as how can I learn from this? What can I learn from this? When I make my own mistakes and I still make mistakes, it's, it's not of, instead of looking at it, it's like, well, this shouldn't happen to me for this reason. Why, why are you looking at me for this? Or why, why, why it, it's more of, all right, what can I learn from this? All right. How can, how can I better myself from this? Um, and what I mean, so in a way, it's just a different perception at looking at things. Um, one perfect example is, you know, coming home on Christmas Eve, we got our car hit, side swiped, and got the side mirror taken off. I'm immediately frustrated. And the reason is, is because I'm still dealing with it today. It's yeah. February. The car's still not fixed because the first car dealership I took it to didn't want to fix it for the price that insurance would pay. Um, and that's a perfect example of, of just... You can't get mad about something, uh, even though it's to some degree controllable, but it's not controllable. Um, I just have to go with the flow. Um, so yeah, I call the insurance. I keep working through it. It's in a new place. Um, self growth is, you know, is good. I still have a lot of work to do because I did call the insurance guys yelling at them at first. Um, <laughs> but in the end, you know, they were good with me and they worked with me. Um, we'll see if I'm still happy with them at the end of all that progress process process do you um have any sort of practices or or you know 
actual things that you do to try to uh, increase your ability to be patient, or is this just something that you are making a conscious effort? You have to be you're conscious. You have to be conscious of of your facial expressions, the way you're acting when people say stuff, and um, it can be very difficult in stressful situations when someone brings something to you and. It, it like it was something controllable and you have to deal with it. And instead of getting mad and saying, you know, why did you do this? You know, this was wrong. Um, you're, you're not going to get the results. It's more of the approach I would take is, is all right, Hey, what happened? Is there anything that you think you could have done differently? And then, you know, depending how they answer, I would say, well, this is how I perceive it. And this is how I look at it. This would be how I would have addressed the problem um, do you see the difference? Um, yeah. and again, based off of how the person reacts, you know, if they're, if they're still very negative about it, uh, I would then say, you know, what's the end result that we need? Whatever end result did you give us? All right, let's track and find out what happened and, and how did we get to this spot? Uh, and then, you know, trying to root cause things. So the person acknowledges, okay, well, maybe I could have done this better, or maybe I could have done that. All right, great. That's where you can improve. And for my self-improvement is helping others to self-improve, especially in my my career. Um, It's not, it's about developing other people. It's not just about, it's not about developing myself. Um, I've proven that I can accomplish those things. That's, that's why I'm where I'm at, you know? So for me, self-improvement is being able to teach others to do what I do. And I know that might sound corny, um, but that, that, that's the reality of upper management in a sense, like to make the lower managers better uh, to, you know, train my replacements. I teach people everything I know because I'm not in fear that they'll take my position just because whether they do or don't, I, I'm going to keep growing myself. Um, six Sigma and lean Sigma lean six training. I've taken that. Um, and still the company's actually uh, asking us to do a little bit more. I did that on my own just to continue my own growth. Um, you know, running a business, um, to deep dive problems, uh, to help fix things. We do something called Gemba at our job where we're at, um, which is Basically, you're, you're walking the floor at a really busy time to find problems in real time and real action. And you're talking with the associates that are involved directly in those paths to get feedback of what they see are the problems um, to kind of get a real feel of what the problems are, um, because the managers aren't usually uh, in the trenches all the time knowing exactly what's going on. Um, you, know, you know, this band's breaking quite often on this line, you know, that might be getting fixed, but if management doesn't really know about it or now the manager on duty, isn't really dealing with it in a right way. Uh, it might just keep breaking. Um, putting band-aids on things isn't how we fix things. It's all right. Well, what's the root cause? Why is it, you know, pulling in partners like our meeting and maintenance to, to make sure you get that fixed. That's the key for things. And again, it's teaching people to, you know, always to, to look deeper into things, but always look with a positive intent. Even when you know it might not be there, always look at it with a positive intent. That, that's how it, so, so yeah, in, in self-growth is kind of what I would more be doing. Um, and then also trying to teach my kids in that same aspect, because how I view, you know, raising your kids, you're teaching them to be adults. Eventually they're going to go out and do whatever they want. Anyway, you want to teach them to make the best decisions. We're all going to make bad decisions. Your kids are going to make bad decisions. 
teach them to make good, bad decisions. Yeah. Um, like not going and drinking and driving. That's a really bad one. Um, a good, bad decision would be calling me because they're so drunk uh, to come pick them up. You know what I told my kids? I won't even ask you a question if you do that. Just do me a favor and give me the call. <laughs> or, or, or I won't Uber. ask where you're at, whatever, you know what I mean? Unless you want to talk about it. Uh, that's how I approach things. Um, patience is the biggest thing I continue to work on. So that would be my self-reflection and, and things that I continue to try to improve upon myself. Patience is a virtue. Yeah. It sounds like um, your, your, your self-development converges between your professional life, but also your personal uh, life as, as, as a father and a husband. And you are trying to combine both so that you're able to perform in both realms and do the best possible job because it's required of you as a manager at your job, but it's also required of you as a father in order to be able to um, maintain a emotionally stable um, home. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I can't lie. I mean, my wife raises the kids more than I do. I'm definitely not home all the time. Uh, and that's where like our relationship really works well. Um, something that's really good is like, your sister is an extremely patient person, uh, passively patient, which is phenomenal because in my younger years, I was extremely not patient. We were kind of like opposites, but thing is she's balanced me well. Mm -hmm. I think I've helped her a little bit too, because when I first met her, I felt like she was a little bit of a pushover. And I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just like, she would tell me how like she'd be talking to a credit card company for your parents or something. And, and the way they would talk to her, I was like, no, no, don't, you don't let them talk to you like that. <laughs> you're paying them money no 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 um and you know nowadays you know she doesn't quite bark like i do but she absolutely has a bark um she doesn't let people push her around for for bs you're, you're both learning from from each other and making each other better um yeah, oh absolutely plus i wouldn't the kids wouldn't make it and i wouldn't make it without her <laughs> as much as i might yeah, work i would i would, uh, I would, hope, I would hope so it's a good relationship. You know, we have a good balance and a good understanding between each other, a mutual understanding, I would say, with each other and, and how it works. Now, don't get me wrong. She also works now from home. So not only is she uh, working and making money, but she's also doing most of the work with the kids. So I commend my wife. <laughs> yeah, well, two jobs. Um, always, they're always doing it. Mothers exactly. are great. Um, to wrap up, What's your favorite book, movie, and album of all time? The What's Lacking Question. Book. Um, I don't really have a specific book. Um, you know, if I had a book I, you know, that I remember when I was younger that I really liked, would, I think it would have been um, is it Lord of the Flies uh, with the kids on the island. Mm -hmm. um, the classic. Favorite album would probably be uh, Green Day. I want to say it was Dookie. might have been, uh, I think it was our first album that came out. It was like 1994, I think it was. How, how old um, were you in 1994? 14. Yes. Um, I'll give you the exact time per frame of how old I am. Perfect, perfect <laughs> age for... Developing deep uh, affinity and and love for for music. Yeah, 
Yeah. Right. That's I like definitely the, that's like, like music and I love music. to like 20 some, you know, let's say 13 to 25 is that stage of your life where music is so important and such a big part of how you see yourself and your identity. And um, I, I miss those oh, yeah. days. Music was a huge part of growing up, especially like for me when I was growing up, it was radio or you had to buy cassette tapes. Like mm-hmm. CDs came out when I was in uh, my teens. You know what I mean? There wasn't CDs when I was 10 years old. It was cassette tapes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so but Green Day... They, I'm not old, first, don't get me wrong, but... Yeah, their, their first album... Green Day is cool. I'm not I'm not big into... What what genre is Green Day? Rock or... I would say it's more rock, punk rock, something like that. Punk, punkish rock. <laughs> um, uh, everybody allocates it differently. I'm not really worried. Yeah. Um, and then... And then how about movie? You skip movie. Um, movie. So I would say the movie that I play in the house the most is a Christmas story. Uh, probably the whole month of December, whenever that's on TNT or TBS, it's just, I'll put it on free TVs in the house and not be necessarily watching it myself, but it'll always be on. So, but I will watch it whenever I stop to do stuff. So I would say maybe that, um, other than that, like, I'm more of a person. You know what I'm a biggest fan of is, unfortunately, and this will show my age, is cable TV. <laughs> I like Larry, cable TV. Larry the Cable Guy. Um, yeah, I mean, cable cable is dead. It's it's going the way of Blockbuster, yes, so get your fix in while you can. Uh, after I'm done my Comcast contract, I will be permanently ending cable. You, you've been telling me this for the past 10 years. No, no, I hands down will do it now. I have some other options. Okay. See, my biggest thing like, from leaving cable and Comcast in the beginning was I like my Philadelphia sports. And since I live yeah. in Delaware, I'm still in the Philadelphia market. So Comcast has a monopoly on the Sixers, the Flyers, and the, Phil- uh, the Sixers and the Flyers yeah, more than they, anything. They, they provide local so, sports coverage. Well, yeah, I know. With technology, we're past that. Uh, I'm not the most technically savvy person. So. I'm getting there. You you Google streaming of Philadelphia Flyers hockey game and you will get millions. I'm exaggerating. Thousands of hits where you could stream the games. I'm not saying you should do it. I'm just, you know, that's an option. I follow you. I got you. <laughs> um well, Mike, it was it was great talking to you. Uh, I think that every time we get together, we have really good chats and conversations. Um, today, we probably should have tamed up a little bit uh, our, our political talk. Uh, I feel as if I, I led the listeners astray a bit with with my analysis. But for the next one, I, I promise I will come uh, a lot stronger with 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 better research and information and facts. So, so that they don't call the What's Lacking podcast a a, a misinformation uh, and disinformation uh, media. So, um, but it was great talking uh, to you. I, no I, I misinformation love... here. You're getting raw, <laughs> Mike Cluxton. <laughs> uh, it was it, you. You had some really great points that I appreciated. Um, and again, great talking to you. Take great care. Great talking to you too.
All right. You take care as well. All right. Bye. Bye. Peace.